Hi, and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And we want to welcome today our friend Casey Ryder. You may know her from her shop Port Fiber in Portland, Maine. You may know her from her work with Cashmere People Yarn, which we stock in the store. And we have invited her on today to talk to us a little bit about what she does with Cashmere People. So let's jump right in. So our guest this week is Casey from Cashmere People. She also owns Port Fiber up in Portland, Maine. Casey, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about who you are and what you do. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm Casey Ryder. I own Port Fiber in Portland, Maine, and I am a knitter, and I like to spin, and I'm a little bit getting a little bit into weaving, and... I like to drink coffee and ride bikes when I can do that. The first time we ever met you in person was at TNNA, which was like an industry event that doesn't happen anymore. And the thing we like first noticed about you is that you were in your booth with your bike. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) TNNA was my first trade show for Cash People Yarns. So that was a wild ride. Can you tell us a little bit about Cashmere People? We have it here in the store, so some of the people listening may have encountered it already, but tell us a little bit about what it is and the women you work with as part of that project. Sure. Yeah, Cashmere People Yarns is a collective of women in Tajikistan and Afghanistan, which is Tajikistan. I, to be honest, didn't know where the country was before I was involved in this project, but It borders Afghanistan and Uzbekistan and China and Kyrgyzstan. It's in Central Asia. These women are hand-spinning Kashgora and Kashmir yarns on electric wheels that are made for them in Tajikistan. The Kashgora, if you're unfamiliar with it, does not have any bunny in it. It's not Angora rabbit. It's a cross between a Kashmir-producing goat and a mohair-type goat. It's really soft, like cashmere, but it has a little more shine. It's a very drapey yarn. It's great for shawls. There are about 70 women that are spinning yarns. They're in seven different groups in Tajikistan. So there's four groups in the south, which is right along the Afghan border. And then there are three groups in the north. They all work in these converted shipping containers. Oh, wow. They're just like outfitted for spinning. The whole project was funded by a grant from an Italian organization. And because this is all local animals, they're trying to raise these animals in a sustainable way. It made sense to be funded by this grant. So in addition to supporting women spinners, which for most of these women, this is their first opportunity earning money, the farmers who, who raise the animals are being paid a higher wage or a higher amount of money for their fiber, as opposed to the Chinese market, which is where they were selling their fiber before. It really reaches a lot more people than just the spinners. So how did you get involved with Cashmere People? Yeah, I got involved, well, before I got involved as their wholesale rep in the States, They had traveled to the U.S. in January of 2016 
And I believe that the the grant began in 2013. So it was kind of towards the end of their grant that they traveled to the States to go to Vogue Knitting Live. And they were selling their yarn to another, a yarn dyer in the States. And I can't remember the name of the company. They were going to Vogue Knitting Live to see their yarns in that booth and just to see the U.S. market. Which, having traveled to Tajikistan myself, I can't imagine how they felt coming to the States and just seeing the U.S. market and just like Vogue Knitting Live and the energy that is happening there. It must have been a little overwhelming for them, to say the least. I think a lot overwhelming. (laughs) I was overwhelmed. They went to Vogue Knitting Live and then they traveled up to Maine and along the East Coast and visited some mills and they visited Peace Fleece, which at the time the owners lived in Porter, Maine. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my connection to the group. At the time, you know, pre-COVID, I was hosting weekly spinning groups at the shop, just a social gathering called Port Spinners. And so Peter and Marty, who owned Peace Fleece, reached out to me to ask if I might want to be a stop on their trip and if I could organize like a gathering for people to meet the women and yeah, see the yarns they were making and hear their story. That was in January 2016. And and there were four women who traveled from Tajikistan. There were group leaders, three group leaders from the north and one group leader from southern Tajikistan. So we met up and and had a really good time, and I got to meet the person, Liba Brent, who wrote the grant that funded this whole project. She's kind of my point person. She's been my point person throughout all of this. She's traveled there so, so many times and has been so involved with the project. That's how I first heard of their work, and, and it was great to meet them and see their work, but I had no idea that I was going to be involved in the way that I am now. But towards the end of 2016, Peter called me up and said, oh, I'd love to come come by and chat and have some tea. And I was like, sure, just stop. Just come on by. He was like, so Marty and I are thinking of retiring. And at the time, they were also selling some of the Cashmere People yarns through their website. But there was no rep. There was no distributor in the U.S. He was like, do you want to be the distributor of Cashmere People yarns? <laughs> I'm like, um... <laughs> I don't know. And he was like, well, you will, you'll have to travel there as part of it. I'm like, oh, and it would be paid for by the grant. And I was like, oh yeah, I I definitely want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That was less of a have to and more of a get to, I feel like. Yeah. It was totally just like an opportunity that was presented to me. And I said, yes. And now I am like figuring it out still. <laughs> like so many of the decisions we all make in our lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was a really great decision to say yes to. So I got to travel there. I think I made that decision around October, or November, and I traveled the following March 2017. Oh, wow. For two weeks. I flew over and met Liba in Dushanbe, which is the capital. And then we traveled from there to the groups in the north, then to the groups in the south. (laughs) Culturally, there aren't a lot of opportunities for women to gather outside of their families. So having this, this workspace where each woman has a key to those workshop spaces and they, they make their own hours. They can spin as long as they want. 
And so it becomes like what knitting circles for us are. It just becomes a time to socialize and gossip and chat about the good things and the bad things in your life. And I think that that was not a common thing for women to do outside of their families. And so it has become a really important part of their lives on top of having an opportunity to make money. Most of the women are married. And at least half of their husbands work in Russia and just send money home. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, like a big portion of Tajikistan's GDP is from people sending money from outside of the country because there's not a lot of work there. I remember one woman saying that at first when they started spinning these yarns, their husbands were like, oh, that's cute. Like they have <laughs> But then they started bringing home money and they're like, oh, uh, real, like this is a real opportunity. That is such a neat thing to think about, like the intangible benefits as well as the very tangible benefits. I think a lot of the time, you know, we, we talk about how you want to, you want to support somebody, you support their business, you support whatever their venture is. Mm -hmm. And also having this sort of social aspect to it. That's, that's just so cool. And having that sort of um, social flexibility aspect to it, too. I don't know if that's really quite the right way to phrase it, but just, yeah, the option of doing something outside of the home in a social context is... Right. <laughs> I feel like at this point in 2021, we maybe don't take that for granted in quite the same way anymore. <laughs> right. Totally. What are the impacts of COVID that you've seen happening with either the spinners and with sort of your your part in bringing cashmere people to the US? Well, for the women, I'm not sure if this is the case still, but at first with COVID, they didn't really know that it was in their country because their country didn't tell them it was in their country. But obviously it, it's everywhere. So <laughs> right. right. They, they went through their own forms of isolation and lockdown. And fortunately, the electric spinners are portable, so they could take those home and work from home, which, you know, is good that they can still do their work and is sad that, like, for all of us, we are now more isolated than we were before. Right. For me in my business, I think that not being able to go to TNNA, not being able to go to Vogue Knitting Live... Those are the big shows that are my opportunity to get this yarn out into the world. And I feel like, especially with a new yarn, with a new yarn company, you have to attend those shows many years in a row before people really see you, you know? Right. And you've got to like build the buzz around it over the years through, you know, working with designers and yeah, making those connections with other shop owners. So that's been a little bit hard. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and it's hard for me anyways. I think that's one of the challenges that I come across just in general, even outside of COVID, is that I'm, I own my business and I don't have any employees. So I'm running my shop. And also I have this other job where I'm repping 70 women, like no pressure. Right. <laughs> 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 So I feel like that's always a challenge for me is just really pushing myself to be a good representative of them and really work to get their yarn out in the world. And it's, and it's such nice yarn. Like everybody who comes in contact with it is like, Ooh, but you do kind of have to get that in hands before people, it's a tactile industry. It's really hard when people can't actually touch the yarn. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like their story is very compelling. And then once you touch it, you're like, oh, 
this is the only thing I actually want to knit with ever again. Right. It's, it's very much win-win. It's like you get to contribute to the story and also have this amazing thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think what I miss too is like seeing people's reactions, reactions to the yarn. I am open to limited capacity now, so I do get to see that still. But at a show setting, it's just really a pretty fun thing to see. (laughs) Yeah. And so this isn't the only international thing you do, right? You have a, I'm going to sound like I don't really understand this because I kind of don't really understand this. You have some kind of weaving thing you do in Mexico. Yeah. Before COVID happened, I went to Oaxaca, Mexico. It's kind of a long story, but I'll try to tell the Sparks Notes version. I worked for a family who owns a campground in Midcoast, Maine. I was a camp counselor there for three years, and then I worked at their retreat center for a couple years as the retreat center director. One of the retreats they hosted was and is a fiber arts retreat, and I met Demetrio through the fiber arts retreat. He's a natural dyer and weaver in Oaxaca, Mexico. He comes from a generational weavers. And he kind of started doing natural dyeing again. Uh, his father was using acid dyes and he's he became very interested in natural dyeing. So he would come up to the Madamic Fiber Arts Retreat and do natural dyeing classes. And at one point in my life, I've moved down to Maryland to live with the Holly and George who own the campground and to promote their retreat center and leaning heavily on promoting the Fiber Arts Retreat. And Demetrio would come up every May for the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival. Even when I wasn't living with Holly and George, afterward, I would I would still come down for Maryland Sheep and Wool. And we had a little half booth and promoted this fiber arts retreat. And every year, we would all stay at Holly and George's. And Demetrio would be like, Casey, you need to come to Oaxaca. You need to get a group together. You need to do something through Port Fiber, get people to come down and do some weaving and dyeing. Yeah. and. I'm like, I know I should do that. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Well, it's hard, you know, as a small business owner, I'm not like making big bucks. So I know that I could have like maybe promoted a retreat and paid my way through other people's tuition, but it just didn't really quite feel right. I wanted to like go experience it for myself and not have to work. I feel like if I had put a retreat on, then I'm like, I'm the go-to person. And now I have to be like responsible for other people's enjoyment of this thing. And I just want to go and experience it and enjoy it. So it took me like a couple years to save up for it. But I like put it out to some friends to see if they wanted to go. And we just had a small group. It was just five of us. And we traveled down to Oaxaca in November, not last November, but November before COVID. And I I did this natural dyeing and weaving workshop. We just stayed there for two weeks and wove our little butts off, made our (laughs) our rugs to our own designs, and we would weave with the yarns that Demetrio had dyed. Then in between weaving, we would go dye more yarns. So we were, it was amazing. And Oaxaca is amazing. It's beautiful. It was like in the 70s every day and sunny. I just, uh, and the food was great. But I also brought a bunch of rugs home. I'm like, I want to go experience this vacation and not work. But as soon as I was there, I'm like, I'm going to try to sell these rugs on Instagram. Ah. <laughs> like Demetrio's rugs were just stacked up in our workspace. And I'm like clicking photos and posting them on Instagram. Does anybody want these? I like smuggled a bunch of rugs home and just... <laughs> 
and they That's were all amazing. Sold. Like I took photos and and sold them while I was in Oaxaca, and then brought them all home. But then during COVID, because Demetrio and his family rely so heavily on tourism, right? Nobody's traveling to Mexico during COVID, so we decided to sell some rugs through Port Fiber. So he sent me a bunch, and now I've got those in the shop. That's so cool. <laughs> And they're beautiful. They're just incredible. Indigo, matter root, all naturally dyed, mosses, cochineal. It's all good. <laughs> well, and you mentioned you had been like you were weaving as part of this, but you've also sort of taken up weaving as one of the primary things you're doing, like just you as a crafter. How have you found like integrating that into your yarn shop? Like are a lot of people taking up weaving? Is that mm. still? Well, it is great inspiration to see these rugs. Yes. And also to know the amount of work that goes into them after having gone down there and woven just a two foot by three foot weaving. It was hours and hours. He knew we were fiber people. And so he had us weave a piece that was like three times the size what he would have a quote unquote normal person like a non fiber. (laughs) (laughs) we We were standing at the looms for hours a day. Oh, wow. So yeah, in, in terms of what's happening at the shop, I mean, I'm not not doing classes right now, but I have noticed a lot more weavers coming through. I've noticed a lot more people just beginning any fiber craft, weaving, melting, knitting, everything. They're just like, I want to do this. I'm like, great. This is the time to do it. Good call. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I have a bunch of weaving looms for use in the shop and for use for classes when we can have classes again. It's the part of my business that I think needs the most attention. I, mm-hmm. you know, I did weave that rug in Mexico. I've done other weavings before, but it's, it's a craft that I still feel like I need to look up how to do the thing. Like I need to reference a book to set a loom up. I can't just do it out of my head. And there are people who can just do it out of their head. So maybe I'll be that person someday. (laughs) I am trying to stock more weaving yarns. I just ordered Harrisville, Shetland, and Highland yarns, both in skeins for knitters and crocheters and on cones for weavers. So I'm pretty excited to have a little more to offer to weavers. As soon as I can get more slat wall up, I might add some more weaving yarns. We'll see. I'm only one person. <laughs> that's, that's so much. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have, I would love to have an employee. Before COVID hit, I was working with a business coach and talking about how to plan for an employee. Like I want to hire somebody and I want to pay them well, but first I yes. need to have the money to do that. <laughs> right. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started Port Fiber? Yeah, I I worked for the previous owner, so it was called the Portland Fiber Gallery and Weaving Studio. And I think I started working there in 2009. I went to school to be a teacher and I graduated in 2007, which is like kind of close to the recession. And mm-hmm. I yeah. just like ended up substitute teaching and then like patching together a lot of part-time work, like waitressing and nannying. And I worked at a fabric shop And I also worked at Portland Fiber Gallery and Weaving Studio. And Bristol Ivy taught me how to dye. She was working at the same place. 
Oh, wow. That's how we (laughs) became buddies. Yeah. And I worked for Melody for three or so years and she was just ready to retire. And I was her only employee at the time. And so I took out a big loan and I bought the business in 2013. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting. Let go of all of those part-time jobs and, and took on more responsibility she really kind of handed over the reins and, and let me run her business for a year, probably. And just like buy the things and pay the bills and do all the things. So I, I had a good idea of what I was getting myself into before I took the leap. Well, and that's that's so helpful because I feel like the thing about, you know, all of this, right, it's all kind of learn by doing. Mm-hmm. But once it's your livelihood, that feels that has a different feeling to it. So having somebody like be there to be able to kind of mentor you into the process is amazing. Yeah. And there were a lot of, there's a lot of free resources in and around Portland. I took a business course through an organization called Women Work and Community, and it was basically writing a business plan. I think it was 12 weeks. And there's also SCORE, which is a national organization that you can just get in touch with business professionals who are semi-retired or retired and just use them as a resource for whatever you need help with. I needed that. I need it. I need it still. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The other thing that feels like the common thread with all of this is you being willing to dive into an opportunity that presents itself to you. I feel like that's happened with all three of the things that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Totally. so cool. <laughs> I know when I look back on, I mean, yeah, with all of these things, looking back on buying port fiber, it was kind of like naive, you know, <laughs> like you're, you say yes, and then you figure it out. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> it hasn't been easy. Like my first three years, I was, I was just looking at my books and I don't know if you want to put this in the podcast or not. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's good for people to hear, but I was on food stamps the first year I owned my business. It was hard, but I also feel like I have the personality or I feel like I'm I'm the type of person who, I mean, I made it through that and it was hard. And also like, I feel like I had enough support, like emotional support from my friends and my partners to get through that. And not everybody has that. Yeah. And not everybody can like live on $300 a week. <laughs> it's not like not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> right. Well, I think this is a, a shared experience that is experienced differently by a lot of shop owners and probably like shop owners in other industries too, but kind of specifically yarn shop owners in this case is you have this kind of romantic notion of what it's going to be like, right? You're going to walk into your store in the morning and just a cloud of yarn will be all around you and you'll sit down and you'll knit all day. And then you'll, I don't know, go home to your fancy house that you have all this this wild yarn money that you've made, right? And that just isn't it. Like, that just isn't, that isn't the experience. It is so much hard work. It's so much hard work. Yeah, there's just a lot that goes into it that isn't seen. But at the same time, I'm currently knitting Kashgora leggings out of like 10 different colors, which... I would never be able to do if I didn't own the shop. Like, right. There are perks. (laughs) (laughs) 
last week we were helping, um, it's local election season here. And so because uh, Jessica and I are both involved in local politics, we always kind of end up helping with campaigns. And there were some people who were running for office who needed campaign yard signs designed. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, they were trying to find a graphic designer who could do it. And it was like, no, no, you need a small business person who just does all of the jobs. <laughs> you know, a big company. Just do the thing. <laughs> yeah, a big company has departments. We have us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah when, do you ever get the calls that are like, can I please speak to your so-and-so person? I'm like, that's me. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> I'm it. <laughs> we had an inventory shipment get misdelivered one time. And when we were trying to track it down, you know, the guy from like FedEx or whatever told us that, well, it was left with your receiving department. And I was like, cool, I'm the receiving department. And it super was not. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, our, our loading dock, right? It must just be back on our loading dock. Oh, my God. <laughs> you were thinking of somewhere else. Right. <laughs> Oh, it's so glamorous, (laughs) but it's so good. It's also so good. I want to ask you guys how the Kashgora has been received by your peeps. Everybody who has had a chance to encounter it has Mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. And I think the, probably the biggest rush of orders for it, there was a hat kit that Jessica put together that was the Kashgora and then the Harrisville, I want to say Nightshades Daylights, right? Yeah, the old port hat. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. And like, that was such an interesting combination of yarn because I don't know if just like as a person standing in front of a shelf, I would have necessarily put those two yarns together. Totally. And when you actually do, the the resulting texture is so great. And like, it's just... It's so good. (laughs) It's nice because, you know, the Cormo is so bouncy in the nightshades. It gives some structure to the Kashgora. You can knit a structured thing out of the Kashgora, but you have to to give it some like cables or it's such a slouchy thing on its own that you've got to really work a texture into it for it to hold up if you're going for that, you know? Yeah. So that combo of the nightshades and the Kashgora was brilliant. It's so nice. But yeah, you definitely do. You have to kind of give it something to work with. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit laid back. There we go. <laughs> Relax. I really like the patterns that I'm seeing that like combine a mohair yarn with something that's a little more structured and bouncy. And I think that the Kashgora would do well in that sort of combo as well, because it would give that halo-y effect. It's just a really great yarn, everybody. You should get some. (laughs) It is really good. Yeah, the colors are super beautiful, and it's just, it's amazing to touch it. Like, it's fancy, fancy. Yes. You should treat yourself. Treat yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For a really long time, we try to ship with, like, minimal amount of extra packaging that we can. And the only yarn that got wrapped up when we would ship it was the Kashgora. And then when we got in the Kiviet, the Kiviet would get wrapped up in tissue paper too. But nothing else like rated the tissue paper roll. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. Wrapped up like little presents to yourself. Correct. (laughs) I really want to knit the Jessie Maid. Jessie Maid? She has a raglan light fingering. You could do like a cropped short sleeve or a long sleeve sweater. 
I really want to make one out of the fingering weight Kashgora. Oh, nice. For like a summer, a summery thing, you know? Yeah. If I cast on now, I might be able to wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Casey is also in Maine. She's up here in the like short summer land with us. The lightweight window is narrow. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Those cropped light tops are like excellent layering pieces. We know how to spread them out through the calendar here. That's right. Yeah, and the cash gore is like, if you're going to make a sweater with it, sport is the heaviest you'll want to go because it is so warm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so like a fingering weight sweater would be great for the summertime nights. That's what I'm thinking. Perfect. Jessica, do you remember the live we did where somebody broke in and was like, are you layering two sweaters at once? (laughs) Yes. I had on a flax light and then I had on a weekender on top of it. And oh, they were yeah. like, what are you doing? I'm like, December, I'm cold. Follow up <laughs> mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you putting wool on wool. Literally nothing. <laughs> I'm working on the crystal star wrap from Jen Peck. Have you seen that? Oh. Oh, I love that. It's gorgeous. Are you using Peace Fleece? Yeah, I'm using Peace Fleece. Oh, yeah. sweet. Speaking of layering, I'm not like a shawl person per se. I like to wear like triangle shawls, like scarves. I just like to wrap them and wrap them. Mm -hmm. This thing is like, I'm getting to the halfway point and I'm like, this is great over a sweater just to be cozy in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great pattern. Oh, it's super beautiful. Are you, what colors are you using? I should check your Instagram. (laughs) Georgia rose as like the background color and then the stars I'm doing palomino and Baikal superior green which beautiful I mean I also love I just love the peace fleece yarn and speaking of yarn with stories and and intention yeah that's another another great yarn and my connection to cashmere people was through peace fleece and marty and peter yeah, the Peace Fleece yarn is so nice. So if if anybody's listening who isn't familiar with it, go check it out on, on the Port Fiber website, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't posted my crystal shawl wrap, but I have like snagged a couple of buddies to knit it, knit it with me. I feel like just knowing somebody else is knitting the same thing is nice. And then I don't have the pressure of like hosting a knit along, although maybe I'll do that also because it is a great pattern for the past two years. 2020 and 2019, I crocheted a temperature blanket out of Peace Fleece, which involved crocheting one row each day. Oh, wow. And you have like 10 colors of yarn and each color represents 10 degrees. And so for the day, if it's like 23 degrees, you use your 20s color and you crochet one row. And so I've done, I've done two of them and made two queen size blankets and they're amazing. They're like super heavy. It's like a nice weighted blanket. It's on my bed. It's just (laughs) chef kisses. So every year I think about doing a temperature, usually a temperature blanket. And what I always think will, will happen is I won't do it for a while. And then I'll end up like having to catch up for like, you know, two weeks or something all at once. Oh yeah. Is that how it goes? Yes. I was behind for like a full two and a half months. (laughs) That makes me feel better. 
And I have a friend, they started one for 2020 and they're like coming to the end of June, 2020. And they like started the blanket with the intention of like not getting hung up on timing. And I think that's really, I don't know, it's admirable. It's nice because there's a lot of pressure I feel in in our community to like churn stuff out, not only as just individual knitters, but like as designers, it's just very kind of fast paced and it makes sense because people have ideas and they're good and, and they put them in the world and that's great. But I think it's okay to try to just be gentle with yourself and go at your own pace. Yes. Well, and there's no reason you couldn't like find out what temperature it was. Totally. <laughs> I, use a, I use a website called timeanddate.com and you can search past weather for like many, many, many years back. Nice. It's cool. Yeah. That's super handy. I know another person who's doing a temperature blanket, but she's doing years to show literally the globe warming, which, you know, is different. Uh Also interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like my anxiety blanket. (laughs) Just gets worse as you go. (laughs) I I love projects that are like data oriented, a visual representation of some data. It's like we're already doing a nerdy thing. So just like kick it up. (laughs) Right. That's right. So Layla Raven and Francois Danoy Mm -hmm. just started a knit along for March for their Aroha Aloha patterns. Their first patterns are a pair of hats. And one iteration of Layla's pattern, which is called Mana, is done in cashmere people yarn sport weight and so i'm gonna do this knit along even though i already have many projects going (laughs) (laughs) if people wanted to hop in and try cashmere people yarns the knit along goes through the end of march and it uses two contrasting colors of the sport weight kashgora and you can make both hats from those two skeins oh i love when designers do things like that that's so wonderful. Yeah. Maybe I'll make some kits for the shop. Yes. How exciting. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I do also have a 100% cashmere yarn that is being spun, hand spun by a group in Afghanistan. And I just have a very small offering of that right now because they can't get the yarn to me because there's a war going on. Right. Right. So it is a little different from the Kashgora. It's more matte, super soft, obviously, because it's cashmere. That's another option. I also just want to say that, like, I think I've already said this before, but it's amazing that this yarn is hand spun. Oh, yeah. It is an expensive yarn, but considering that it is spun by hand is, like, nuts when you see how consistent it is. If you're a hand spinner, they're not even spinning from roving. The Kashgora is hand combed off of the goats. And the goats produce maybe like one to two pounds of fiber per animal. And then it gets sent to Afghanistan, washed and dehaired, And it comes back to them as just fluff. And it's very short. So if, if you're a hand spinner, you know that that's not easy. But they're on it. And they're spinning a really quality yarn. It's magical. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure I have ever put my hands on 100% cashmere. 
I think I know where I can get some though. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wait, can you explain? So you just said that they, they brush the goats. Yes. They comb it. They comb the goats. Thank you. (laughs) That was the word I could find. (laughs) I mean, they could brush the goats. Previously, like before this grant happened and they were selling their fiber to the Chinese market, they would shave the goats. And so you would get way more guard hairs if you did it that way in the overall fiber. If you hand comb, you're just, because the goat is dual coated, they have got like the soft downy fiber that's close to their their body that protects them from the cold. And then they've got their like hair fibers on the outside. When they hand comb, they're getting less of those guard hairs in their fiber, which would mean like less for the machines to have to process out. Right. Uh, When they get the fiber, like normally as a hand spinner, you're used to working with fiber that's been prepped, like carded into roving or it's been combed into top and it's like all together, but it's kind of like formed into a rope-like thing to spin. And it's more organized, but they're just getting a bag of fluff. That's that's so wild because you would never know that to look at this yarn. Like it is wild. (laughs) (laughs) So the goats are combed and then the pile of what is combed off of the goats, they dehair it. So they, they actually go through, well, not like by hand, but a machine pulls all of the like outside hairs out of it. Yes. All of the farmers that are raising goats, they're just like small herds, right? It's just like a family with like 10 to 20 goats. And the goats like roam the mountains and then they gather the goats at one point, like in the springtime. So they're individually, like the families are are pooling, you know, they're putting all of this fiber together and then they go to a market and sell the fiber to a a fiber buyer. And then the buyer like, now has hundreds of pounds of Keshgora that they bring to Afghanistan and have it cleaned and dehaired. And then it comes back into Tajikistan to be spun and dyed. That's so cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fun to receive the package. I, I usually get shipments once a year at this point, And I just get like hundreds and hundreds of pounds from DHL Express and it's... <laughs> dropping it off in the back of my shop and then I like go through the process of unpacking hundreds and hundreds of skeins of yarn the receiving department (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for this next shipment which should be coming within the next month because they're including some of their own hand knit items which I haven't I haven't figured out how I'm going to like get those into the world if I'm going to offer those to the wholesale accounts or put it out just through Instagram or what but it's nice to have that as an option and I remember hearing feedback from one shop owner just like it'd be nice as a potential wholesale account like to see me at TNNA and be able to immediately buy a sample that they can Mm. put up in their shop without having but I mean should also want to knit with it <laughs> oh right definitely <laughs> yeah I'm excited to see what they're what they're sending along oh we're excited too <laughs> I'm having thoughts about it right now <laughs> <laughs> so Casey what's on your needles right now 
Well, I mentioned I'm making the Crystal Star Wrap by Jen Peck out of the Peace Fleece yarn. I'm about halfway through that. And instead of making a temperature blanket this year, I am knitting temperature leggings out of the Kashgora. And I'm using Elizabeth Zimmerman's Nether Garments instructions, which is kind of the first time I'm really knitting a pattern to my own body measurements, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would really like to kind of challenge myself to trust in the skills that I have built over however long I've been knitting, which has been a while. It's like we have these skills, personally speaking, like I don't really trust myself too often with them to just like make the thing that's in my head, which segues into the other thing that's currently on my spinning wheel which is some brown merino. I bought a fleece at the Common Ground Fair, which is a big kind of agricultural fair in Maine every September. So I bought that the last Common Ground Fair, 2019. And I washed the fleece and I am hand carting it into little row lags and I'm spinning it on the shacked flat iron wheel, spinning a long draw yarn, a nice woolen spun. I haven't decided if I'm going to make a two ply or a three ply, but I have an idea for a sweater that's just in my own head. I'm really excited about it. It'll be like another year before I actually get it on my needles because I still have to spin some some white fiber for it. But it's going to involve intarsia and I'm stoked. Oh, wow. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And then I'm going to cast on the Mana hat pretty soon, probably within the next couple of days by Layla Raven for the make along for the knit along. Yeah. And we will link in the show notes to both of those. Are those patterns together or are they separate? Yeah, you can you can buy the patterns individually or you can buy them as a collection. And I think you can also buy the overall collection, which is going to be the next two patterns being released are going to be shawls in April. And then further down the line this year, they're doing two sweater patterns. So you have the option to to purchase individually or purchase the hats as a collection or purchase all six patterns as a collection. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then Jessica, what are you working on right now? Oh, I'm working on my test knit still for Brian Moody's pattern that's coming out sometime, I think, in late March. It's the Back Roads Wrap, and it's a kind of diamond-patterned mosaic knit scarf wrap thing, I guess, depending on how big you make it. And I'm using Julie Asselin's Nurtured, and I love it. Mm -hmm. So good. Karen, what are you making? I finished my sixth sock, so I am fully on my forager sleeves right now. I was hoping I would be wearing them by the time this posts, but that is definitely not going to be the case. So maybe by next week, I will be wearing my forager. Yay! What are you knitting that out of? Yeah. Oh, the uh, Ritual Dyes Elder, which is, yeah, which is Rambouillet, and I love it so much. And I have to to get this done in time to wear it before it gets warm, Mm -hmm. which is... Oh, you have plenty of time. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not really a deadline. <laughs> it is currently, as we're recording this, fully an ice rink outside, like 100% just ice. <laughs> yeah, you'll be done with those sleeves. Can I share one more thing? Absolutely. So every Sunday, I have been hosting a Crafternoon on Zoom, which is just me playing music for people. 
everybody's mics are muted and we're on Zoom, like making whatever we're making. It doesn't even have to be fiber related, but, you know, my circle is very fiber related. So, you know, but we have had painters and my partner's a jeweler. And so you can do whatever craft you're doing. It's every Sunday from two to four Eastern Standard Time. Anybody who is listening to this is invited. We have to come sometime. <laughs> yes, you have definitely. Come. Yeah. <laughs> I just hosted a dance party maybe last weekend. Same idea, just like Mike's muted dance party. Oh my music. god, that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. I think I'll. I've done three of those during COVID times. Crafternoon next or this coming Sunday is going to be the fiftieth crafternoon. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oof. Very stoked. And and I've got like the back playlists, like they're all on my Spotify. Nice. Pretty fun. Awesome. <laughs> and the playlists are kind of like collaborative. I've asked people for requests and it's cool. It's cool. The playlists that you come up with when it's a collaborative sort of effort. That's the way you do that is so good. Like that's just awesome. So fun. Thanks. <laughs> Casey, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to chat with us. We're really excited about the upcoming knit-along that the patterns are using the Kashgora with Layla Raven and Frenchie Denoy. And we're just excited about everything that you're doing. And we're so glad you're here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for being a rep for cashmere people yarns and getting their their beautiful yarns out into the world yeah we love it thanks so much for listening and again thank you casey for joining us and working through our experimental zoom style recording calls (laughs) someday we'll get to do things in person with people and that will be fun too you can listen to make good on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever else you get your podcasts You should subscribe and tell your friends, rate and review us so other knitters can find us. If you want to see what we're up to, follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod. And as always, we want to hear from you. You can send us emails at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. Ask us your questions, tell us your stories, send us pictures of your finished objects. And also, we're thinking about a spring knit-along. So if you have ideas for a project that you would like to make with some other knitters virtually, send us an email and let us know. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.